and we think we have troubles. You know, put yourself in the place of the disciples on the night of Jesus' betrayal. After spending three years with him and each other, you've just learned that there's a betrayer in your midst. You've also heard that the spokesman for the group is going to turn his back on the Lord and deny him three times before morning. And you've been told that Jesus is leaving and that you can't go with him. Now, how would you feel? You know, troubled would be putting it mildly. You'd be, you'd be devastated. You know, they had given up everything to follow Jesus. All their hopes for the future were tied to him. And now it appeared that their hopes were about to vanish. It looked like they were going to lose everything. Their hearts were troubled. But so was the heart of Jesus. John tells us he was troubled in spirit as he told them of the impending betrayal. He knew what was going to happen, and it, it broke his heart. He knew what was going to happen to him and to them. Now, he didn't want to go through it, and he didn't want them to have to go through it either, but, but he knew they had to. He was troubled, and they were troubled, yet he ministered to them. The agonizing shepherd comforted his sheep. And he did so by giving them the answer to a troubled heart. An answer that can also comfort us when our hearts are troubled by the frustrations and disappointments of life, no matter how big they might be or how final they might seem. Indeed, trouble or help for a troubled heart lays in the promises our Lord made to his disciples on the night before his death. Yes, they were going to go through some very hard times, and he was going to leave them. But he was leaving to make preparations for them. He would be back, and someday they would be together again. So he told them, let not your heart be troubled, because I will prepare a place for you. We're in the 14th chapter of John. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. You know, this has to be the most comforting text in all of Scripture. Seldom can you make it through a funeral without hearing this promise read, but it, it shouldn't be reserved for funerals. You know, let not your heart be troubled by anything. Don't let the stresses of life or the tragedy of death trouble you, at least not for long. You know, the struggles we face in life and the sorrows we feel at death will no doubt trouble us for a time, but there's no need to let your heart remain troubled. In fact, let not 
is a command. We are commanded to set our hearts at ease. And we can do that because the troubles won't last, not forever. Jesus knew that in spite of the way things were going, there was no need for the disciples to be troubled. Everything was going to be okay. He had everything under control. He knew what he was doing so they could set their hearts at ease if they would just trust him. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It appears that these two are commands. Trust God and trust me too. Things may look bleak for the moment, but I know how they're going to turn out. So trust me. I am leaving you, but I'm leaving for your benefit. I'm leaving to prepare a place for you in heaven. I'm returning to my father's house to get things ready for you. And my father's house has plenty of room, many dwelling places. And they aren't efficiency apartments. The King James Version calls them mansions. And they are mansions. Within a mansion, a heavenly condo made up of mansions. In fact, it's called the Holy City in Revelation, and it measures 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles high. Now, I didn't check the math. My calculator won't go that far. But I did read that that comes out to 62 quadrillion 726 trillion, 400 billion square feet. And that's on the first floor. It's a big house. And Jesus left to get our rooms ready. And I do love the personal aspect of that promise. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, Jesus is now preparing an eternal dwelling place for me as well as for you. Now, you may live in less than desirable conditions here. You may even be homeless. But you will have a mansion in heaven. And knowing that you have an eternal home waiting for you can help you get through anything. It can comfort a troubled heart. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. And he said, I will come back for you. Let's read on. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if I go and prepare a place for you is not a maybe statement. He knew where he was going and he went. And he said he was going to prepare a place for you. The only conditional aspect of that promise is, is he able to build one for you? And that, of course, depends on you. Have you asked him to? And have you allowed him to cleanse you from your sin so you are fit to inhabit heaven? If we've done what he told us to do to be cleansed and are trusting him to keep us clean, 
It's a done deal. And if he's preparing a place for us, he will be back for us. Jesus is coming again. You know, every Christmas we celebrate the fact that Jesus came. But the fact that he's coming back is an even greater reason to celebrate. And it's the promise of that second coming that comforts troubled hearts. At least those hearts that are prepared for it. And do notice the focus is on Jesus coming, not our going. You know, we most often think of this text at death because death takes us into the presence of our maker. But without getting into discussion of what happens at death and where we will be until his return, the focus here is on Jesus coming for us, not our going to him one at a time. That coming is pictured for us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Whether we have died or are still alive when it happens, we shall meet the Lord in the air. He's coming down to meet us on the way up. And again, do notice the personal aspect of this promise. He's not sending someone to pick us up. He's coming himself. And he's not just coming to take us to heaven and drop us off. He's coming to receive us to himself. And that is the most exciting thing about heaven. More exciting than streets of gold and gates of pearl. The most exciting thing about heaven is that we will be with Jesus. And I do believe that we will have one-on-one -on -one time with him. I know that sounds crazy, but I really think we will. One-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. We will fellowship with him intimately. And that, I think, is what was to comfort the disciples. You know, they loved him. They didn't want to lose him or be separated from him. So he assured them that their separation would only be temporary. He was coming back to receive them to himself so they could be together forever. And so they could be with their heavenly father. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know, Jesus had been talking about going to the Father's house, so he apparently assumed they knew he was talking about going to the Father when he said, and you know the way. 
But when he said it, they didn't understand what he was talking about. He had earlier told them they couldn't follow him to where he was going. And at that point, he was referring to the cross. They would later take up a cross and follow him. But he had to go to his cross alone. They wouldn't understand that until much later. And they had no idea what he was talking about now when he said, and you know the way where I'm going. They were confused. And since they weren't sure where he was going, how could they know the way? Well, Thomas, we sometimes call him Doubting Thomas, but he's more than that. Thomas acted as spokesman here, and he questioned Jesus for the entire group. And how grateful we are for his doing so, because his willingness to question what Jesus said led to one of the clearest statements Jesus ever made. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That cleared things up. In fact, that clears up everything, everything that is of eternal importance. Jesus was talking about his going to the Father, and he was telling them that he is the way to the Father. He was leaving them to make it possible for them to come into the presence of their heavenly Father. And it is through him and what he was about to do that anyone gains the privilege of being brought into the presence of God. Jesus is the way, the only way. And we can believe him because he is the truth. He not only tells the truth, he is the truth. And since he embodies truth, we can count on him. Our eternal destiny is safe in his hands. He can do what he said he could do. He can take us into the very presence of God. And he is the life. He's the author of all life. He's the source of abundant life here on earth. And he is the one who can grant eternal life in heaven. He is, in fact, the only way to God. No one comes to the Father, but through him. Now that obviously excludes every other way. And it doesn't set well in our pluralistic society, but it's the truth. Jesus said it. So we better accept it and act upon it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone that anyone can come into the presence of a holy God. And if we believe that, if we trust Jesus to save us, to cleanse us and prepare us for an eternal fellowship with our creator, he will prepare a place for us. And since he's preparing a place for us, he will be back for us. Our future is secure. And if our future is secure, we can keep our temporal troubles in perspective. And that is the answer 
to a troubled heart. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust me. I'll get you where you want to go. So do you trust him? Do you trust him? If you do, you need to show it. Show it by the way you respond to the troubles, the frustrations, and the disappointments of life. And show it by the way you calm your heart when walking through the valley of the shadow of death with your shepherd by your side. You know, if you've not publicly expressed your faith in the Son of God, do so before you once again celebrate his coming to earth. Do it before Christmas. Express your faith in him today, and together we will celebrate that Jesus is coming again and that he's coming for you. Jesus is coming again. Let's stand and prepare for that moment.